What is this? Stop it! Don't open that door! This is the final battle! Blood. Hope this is not Chris's blood. What is it? I'm gonna stab the shit out of you. There are terrible demons. I have made a creature to rule over mankind. Umbrella. I don't have your stone, and fuck you anyway. Do you think we could see Tyrant now? All weak people exist to be eaten. In my restless dreams, I see that town. You promised you'd take me there again someday. Don't come this way! No! Ouch! I'm the light bringer! I'm the fucking universe! Man committed a sin, disturbing the life cycle of nature. The original sin that man is responsible to. To protect the life cycle. I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light! What a monster! This is the ultimate life form. Tyrant! Welcome to a very special episode of Below the Void. Blair, how are you doing today? I am just ducky. How are you, Donovan? I am fine. Um, Mark and Mr. B are not able to be here, so it's going to be the, the two of us shooting the shit. So rather than do a regular episode, I thought we'd take some time out. And in uh, celebration of the Resident Evil 2 remake out, which is fantastic thus far um i figured we'd uh, have a little chat about horror games you know particularly the ones that have had an impact on us like like resident evil um and just to talk about some of the really good horror games that we've played lately because th there were quite a few that that i played last year that i would been, like to talk about yeah there have been some standouts yeah they haven't been quite as frequent as, as in years past but also the quality has been Quality has been has been a lot better. Yeah. A lot of horror games, like you get those kind of shitty ones on Steam that are like jump scare fests. Or... Emily wants to play. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, and not to as fun as they can be. It's not the kind of I want. Not not to knock those, but they seem like they're made to to watch YouTubers freak out while yeah. playing them. And yeah, that's entertaining as hell. But like, I, yeah, I would I wouldn't want to. I don't not like... necessarily fun to play by yourself. See, like I don't mind getting jump scared, but I don't like playing a game for the sole purpose of being jump scared. Yeah, it's like, it seems really a jump, a jump scare is fun in the moment, and it you know it adds to whatever if it's if it's done right. I mean, it's, just... it's like junk food for your mind. Like it's... yeah, but knowing going into a game knowing like oh there's gonna be some jump like any game that warns 
Like, if they use it as a selling point, yeah. like... Contains pro- jump scares. Like, probably, okay, so they're probably not very well made. Probably not not the best game in the world. Um, but but like, there, there's horror games that have, like, that stay with you. Like, the credits roll and you just think to yourself, like, holy God, shit. Damn. Yeah. And you think about them for a while, you know, yeah. and that's not the kind of thing you get with most of those kind of jump scare fests. So no, yeah, they're fun. I think I think and... we can we can get into those a little bit. Yeah. Um so before we go any further, um thanks to some really really shitty YouTube people not uh that's what I'm looking for disclosing things. Mm-hmm. The FCC's rules on disclosure are insanely um they're insanely high now. Whereas before it used to be, if you worked in the industry, as long as you disclosed it on your profile or somewhere that that was fine. But now it needs to be like clear and, um, you know, so even if someone doesn't read the description for this episode, they need to know the information. So, um, okay. as awkward as it is, I have to let everyone know that I work in the video game industry. I work for Activision Blizzard. Um, everything that I am going to say is my opinion. Um, it is not condoned by Activision. They do not even probably know about this podcast. Um, mine, my, my opinions, no one else's. And, um, that needs to be super clear. (laughs) So, uh, now that that's out of the way, um, what do you think, Blish? Should we just talk about like the, cause I mean, obviously Resident Evil is not the first horror game. Like you couldn't even really make that argument. No, but it was definitely the first one that I played. I think, I mean, we, you know, we had like Castlevania and stuff, but that's an action game with sort of a horror horror themes. Right. Yeah. Resident Evil was the first game. I think that I, that we played that actually, you know what? Maybe not. I think we had, you remember that game D I do. I was just going to say, we had D on Sega Saturn. We had D on Sega Saturn, and and that game is, I, I haven't played it in like twenty years, but I remember it being fucking horrifying. I never played more than a few. I watched you play it. <clears throat> yeah, that game. This was when we had the Sega Saturn. That game was fucking scary, but that was an FMV game. It wasn't like a. So it's probably not scary anymore. Pro- it's probably um, really funny now if yeah. we were to go back to it. Um, the first game i remember being scared because i didn't play resident evil 1 until god i might not have played it until the remake on gamecube might not have actually played it i've seen it seen it being played right, I, think you, I, I mean seeing you, you saw play me it play it because like... because we had it on sega saturn that that's how yeah. i played it yeah we had but it we sega didn't saturn. have a memory card for the sega saturn so mm-hmm. we could play until we had to turn it off basically yeah. and then we'd have to start over um and it was too hard for me uh also it spooked me uh, but the first game I remember playing a lot that scared the crap out of me was, um, I don't remember which Alien game it was. The one we had on Sega Saturn. Alien Trilogy. Alien Trilogy. The Facehuggers. scared the fuck out of me. Because it had, yeah, the Facehuggers, you could see them skittering. Yep. And then if you didn't kill them fast enough, they would be gone for a second. And you're like, oh god. And then they'd slow crawl up, crawl the screen, up your face. Right up, the, right up like, the, the screen, yeah. That was like the first, nope. Nope, I'm t- turning it off. I'm gonna go ahead and put that there. Never, never look at that again. I I just recently <clears throat> set up a RetroPie with a PlayStation emulator, and I yeah. one of the first games I I got was Alien Trilogy because I remember that game on Saturn. I remember loving it, even though it was spooky. It's still spooky. the The atmosphere is still there. It's yeah. it's pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, you can't really think like. I mean, you like to think. Like, okay, that game was made so long ago, it can't really be scary anymore. But, I mean, think about, like, the only thing that would really make you say that is 
graphics wise, you're like, okay, they can't be scary looking. Like the the graphics back in the right. day couldn't render something like that. But if you think about all of the like pixelated horror is a genre right now. Yeah, and a, some a genre that works pretty well done. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, going back to an old game like that, it probably is still pretty fucking scary. And yeah, I remember the atmosphere being there. The, like the, 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 the atmosphere, and the, like the, the the sound, the sound effects, yeah. the the music is is like uh, it's all like droney and yeah. the sounds of the aliens, especially the skittering sounds of the of the face huggers and shit. Yeah. Like, it's it's well done. It's it's still a pretty atmospheric game. I mean, obviously, it has the Doom on console syndrome, so it's a first person shooter. That you can't control you can't your control up and down, up and down yeah. so you're basically lining up and you're shooting and. That's all those fucking face huggers get you all the time. Yes. You can't shoot down at them, so. The, <laughs> you uh, have to like line them up perfectly. Yeah. Um, you have to do what I call the polygon aim, where you have to move yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you have to move yourself to yeah. move the crosshair. Yeah. Um. But Resident Evil was the first game that I remember. That was like the selling point of it was that it was scary and that um, it was like a, a coming of age kind of a thing. Uh, I was in sixth grade, I think, when I bought it for my best friend, Stuart. Mm. Bought it for him because I didn't have a PlayStation. Um, I had a Sega Saturn, but I didn't have it on Sega Saturn at that time. So I bought him Resident Evil for his birthday and we had a, a sleepover with a bunch of friends where we were playing it. And me and Stuart were the only two that had the stomach to make it through the opening cutscene of that of that game. Oh. Um, the, there was three other guys with us that day, three other, three other guys with us that night, and they ended up going upstairs to watch a movie with Stuart's parents while we played Resident Evil. Because it was just like that hardcore, you know? Like, that was it was awesome. Now it's like this awesome B-movie. Well, the un- uncut version is like this awesome B-movie. Yeah, I didn't know that there was an uncut version. Even the director's cut that we got in America still has the opening cutscene censored, where it's in black, black and, and white, white and... and you don't get the gore effects. The, pra- in the, the, practi- the really good practical gore effects. Yeah, they have they have these puppets like that to, of the zombie dogs that are chasing them that you never see in the, the version we got. Yeah, you, you see the dogs, them. you see gore shoot out of them like squibs and practical yeah, effects and like, like eyeballs they pop just out. like set up squibs in different parts of the dogs yeah. and just like had a camera on them like okay pop them off and they're just like it'll just every once in a while I'll cut to a dog's head like ex- like the eyeball exploding or like uh, like a squib coming out of its face it's adorable <clears throat> i i it absolutely is. love it and it's... like when the guy's getting his his neck bitten you can kind of see that he's holding it there <laughs> like a little bit like, yeah because it's a fucking puppet <laughs> yeah but it, it looks good, like the gore effects of his neck being ripped out and stuff. Like it looked good. Yeah, uh, it was like it was super cool, and I can't believe that it it did come to America apparently only on the PC version. Um, but I did I downloaded a ROM um, for a PlayStation that sort of interspersed that into the um, you know the uncut gameplay. Uncut game. Um, another thing, the director's cut, the fucking, they butchered the soundtrack. The soundtrack to the original Resident Evil is like memorable and haunting and great. Yeah. They replaced it with this fucking jazz fusion bullshit in what? the director's cut. Yeah. If you, if you have the greatest hits version, like the director's cut with the, the green uh, spine, uh, yeah, I the soundtrack one, yeah. is, uh, garbage. It's hot fucking garbage. <laughs> take, take a listen to it. It's a farce. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the beginning of that game, you know, you have the, you get into the mansion and you, you go down that hallway and the moment that everyone remembers, like the iconic 
jump scare is you're walking down the hallway and the dogs burst the dogs out, burst right? In, yeah. Which is like a, a shocking moment. Like it's, they've, it's they've scary. Put it's... it in some way in almost every Resident Evil game since, and it still gets you. Right. You're like, you're like, okay, certainly you, they're not gonna do it. In this you gotta one. remind me. We have to talk about the remake and how they sort of like subverted that to oh, to yeah. still make it scary, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, but the a couple of moments that I want to talk about in Resident Evil, having played through the original one fairly recently, um, that I think to like today stand out as being still scary, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the first time you enter, or the first time you exit the house, um, which is kind of near that corridor with the dogs, you end up in a fenced-in area where yep. there's some green herbs. You remember that yes, part? Yes, I do. Yes, I there's do. also a dog in there. Yeah. But the way the camera is, you come in and you can see the door and you can see yourself and you can't see pretty much anything else in the distance. But when you open the door, you hear immediately the dog and you hear it coming towards you and you can't see it. And it's so unnerving. Mm -hmm. And even more, even more than the dogs breaking through the window, that just the way the camera is perfectly positioned, the way the audio starts getting louder and louder as the dog comes. I literally just, I was like, you know what? I know there's green herbs there. Fuck it. I turned around, went out the door, and I didn't go back until I had, like, a shotgun and a bunch of ammo and stuff. Shoot it out of the air. The other part, um, and it's another sort of brilliant trick they played with the static camera. It's the first time you encounter a giant spider. Do you remember that? When you're in the, the... the, the guest house after you leave the mansion you go through the yard oh god you you go yeah. through the door and you can sort of it's the camera's a little bit further out but it's still static it's looking at you you can see your face as you come through the door yeah and right above you is a giant spider on the ceiling and it <laughs> drops yep. down and oh goodness that is yeah. that was like i'm afraid of spiders so that obviously didn't, yeah. didn't help matters no i'm yeah no but the way the I'm the way the the too, way the but... perspective in that scene worked and um it was just it was like a masterclass in in horror you know i've heard a lot of uh speculation or it, it might even be a fact that the the static camera angles were a sort of something they did because they had to because of the technology of the day like in order to make the environments look as good as they could they had to be like sort of the pre-rendered backgrounds and because of that they could only move the camera certain ways but if that's the case the choices they made with that static camera to increase tension throughout the game is pretty fucking phenomenal because that a lot of that stuff still stands up even though some of the stuff in that game like the voice acting doesn't at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's giggle inducing. Yeah. The, uh, oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's almost every single line of dialogue is like, <laughs> yeah. Why'd you say it like that? But then they shut up, and and the score kicks back in, and you start playing the game some more. You and you're just like, let the I'm, and you're the... like, I'm unnerved again, even though this is, you know, a ridiculous scenario, a ridiculous game that we're playing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even the loading screens being. A slow opening of a door or slowly going upstairs. Right. I think that is definitely a technology thing because the PlayStation, oh, it had to load that data, you know? So Yeah, but the, the fact that they did that and, like, it's quiet, all you can hear is the sound of the door opening or the sound of your footsteps slowly yep. going up the stairs. It adds a lot of tension. Yep. And then Resident Evil 2 had moments where it played with that where you'd open a door and then a fucking zombie would be there in that loading screen because you always felt... You always felt like 
you that were... loading screen was nothing was going to happen because it's a loading screen. Right. And then there are certain doors where like. There's one in Resident Evil 2 where you open it and you die instantly. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, the one that's it tells you, like, oh, fuck, there's zombies out there. You yeah, it gives you there. a warning, and it's like, like, don't go out there. And then you can, like, go out there anyways, and if you do, yeah. you just die. Like, there's just a, yeah. a horde out there. there you, you open it, and in the blackness of the loading screen, there's zombies there, and then when it cuts to gameplay, you're being eaten. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and it's fucking scary, because you're like, okay, yeah, there's zombies. I can shoot the zombies. I have a shotgun. Right. And then I mean, Resident fucking... Evil has a, has some like cardinal rules, and one of them is that you're always safe in the save room. Mm-hmm. Like you'll never get hurt. E- even in even in Resident Evil Three Nemesis, where he's like breaking through walls and shit to get you, I'm pretty sure he can never get you in a save room. No, right? I don't think he can. Yeah. So I mean, there there's some um, like areas of solace you have, yeah. but I mean, you're not consciously thinking about it, especially the first time you go through it. You're not thinking like you know that. I'm 100% safe in the save room. Right, you just um, go in there because you got a fucking item box and a typewriter. Right, and, you know, you got to manage that inventory. Yeah. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, there was a lot of good things they did. I mean, Resident Evil is a a much better horror game than it is an action game because, the, you know, the mechanics... The, the controls the the, the combat aiming and stuff yeah, it doesn't it doesn't too. hold it that that part doesn't hold up nearly as well as the the horror elements well and do. the idea too that it was it was I mean again certainly not the first game but I mean it had the horror element where you're not supposed to fight everything right you're supposed and, to run away and, a lot of the time and that's another thing that it does because you don't necessarily know when you start that game that you're resources are going to be as as limited as they right. are and your instincts as a gamer especially like, in that day and age is there's a, an enemy and you fucking kill it right? right but in that game it's you know there's not many zombies you have to kill in that game in no. fact it's a lot more efficient to run past them most of the time as long as you're able to to you know do it but it's like the idea that like well first of all you can pop pop rounds into them they'll fall over and then they'll get back up yeah, yeah, and like the only the only way you know that they're dead is when the pool of blood you know starts to pour out from under them, um, and that's another thing we have to talk about subverting in the remake. But um, oh sure, um, but the idea that like, you shoot the zombie and you're like, okay, I have fifteen rounds in this gun. Zombies gonna take like two shots. You shoot it and you're like, okay, <laughs> and you shoot it again and you're like, okay. He's still he's still going. I'm gonna shoot it again. Yeah, sometimes okay, he's still they, going. Sometimes they don't even. Okay, I'm gonna shoot it again. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they fall to the ground. And you're like, okay, and... it's done. I'm going to reload. And oh, don't, Jesus Christ! And he starts getting up again. And you have to fucking shoot him again. And then, or he grabs onto your ankle and you have to kick your you fucking, fucking head off. you have to fucking kick his head off, yeah. And you think, like, okay, he's down. I can walk past him now. And then they fucking grab you. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ! And yep. you fucking, like, struggle. And, and, and yeah. because of the way the game is, that damages you. It doesn't hurt yeah. you a lot, but it hurts you. It you, hurts you, you enough. You don't want that to happen. It hurts you, know? you enough. So, so you, you know, you're sitting there and you've wasted bullets that you probably didn't need to. You've been attacked when you probably didn't need to. But then there's the idea that if you leave it, you're going to have to go back to that point at some point, And there's going to be a fucking zombie there still. Yep. So and you're then, like, I just want to get rid of the zombie, but I shouldn't waste the resources to get rid of the zombie I can walk past. And then to add insult to injury, when you come back to the mansion after you leave it for a while, you have to come back to the mansion before the end game part. Yep. Every zombie that you killed mm-hmm. in the mansion before leaving it is replaced with a hunter. Which, if, yeah. you, if you haven't played Resident Evil, a hunter is a um, sort of amphibian-looking green 
very dangerous enemy where if they jump at you and hit you, they will take your head off in one hit and you will die. Yeah. And they and they themselves take a lot more damage, to, you know, to kill than a zombie does. Very fucking fast. Yes. So if you if you're playing the game as Rambo, you better be prepared to have to deal have with to with those hunters. Yeah. Which is another, you know, kind of cool. It's a dick move, but it's kind of cool at the same time because it's like your pacifism is sort of rewarded because you still have to maneuver around the zombies again, but they're much easier to maneuver around than a hunter. They're not going to cut your head off. Exactly. Um, yeah, the 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 horror, and I, I mean, the instinct when you see something scary, and I think that's why a lot of horror games nowadays don't let you have weapons. Sure. Because, because it's it, the idea it adds that tension and you all have that stuff. To, you're going to have to figure out another way. You know, um, like Outlast has moments where you do have to kind of fight back, but it's in unconventional ways. Right. And, um, you know, if you had just a gun, then it, depending on how it's done, it could take away some tension. But the idea of, like, I think it's scarier the idea of having the gun. And, and needing being... to realize like when you should use it and when you right. need to just let it go. Right. A, a game that I think did that really well was uh, Condemned Criminal Origins. Yes. It was a game where you had a gun, but the the bullets were so incredibly um, you would hard pick to them come up, by. Like, you would find a clip of ammo that had two bullets in it. You're like, oh, okay, I'll take right. that. Right. It's All not right. like you would you wouldn't find a box of bullets. You would find yeah. a, a an enemy spent magazine with a couple of rounds. Yeah, in you'd it. find like you'd kill an enemy who has a gun and you'd pick up his gun and be like, Oh shit, he had like two bullets left. Right. All right. Okay, well So you it. have a, this extremely useful tool, but you realize that it's not enough. Right. And I think that was that was one of the scariest experiences I had playing well, Condemned games. Is was fucking Condemned. Scary, Condemned yeah. is a a and, fantastic and yeah you game. had good like it was competent melee combat and stuff but the mm -hmm. fact that you have to it forced you to get up and personal with these characters with these dudes who were gonna fucking kill you and they'll they'll like like ambush you and they'll like drop boxes on your head and shit and like completely disorient you yep and then <clears throat> by that moment you know you're in a fight and you can't get out of it like, you, you it's either him or you and like any other and game, you'd be like, be him. any other game, you could be like, oh, that guy, bop, shoot him in the head. Yep. And if I remember right, in Condemned, like a headshot will kill them. Yes. More often than it not. Does. It does. But it, in those situations when they're running at you, you're probably not going to be super accurate. So you have to like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Con Condemned was great. The only thing that kind of took the tension down in Condemned was you had a taser that had unlimited just, ammo, but it had it was on it a cooldown. Yeah. But the taser was basically an I win button because it would disorient them. Or, or disable them enough that you could just take you could them just down, hit them. and it, you'd deal more damage to them too. Yeah. So like one so the, one smack to the head will like just the the, the them taser. Out. It would have actually. I wonder maybe there is like a hardcore mode where you didn't have the taser. I think that might be a little more tense. But that yeah. game is is great. Yeah. Um. I think the the thing that happened is Amnesia: The Dark Descent came out and was fucking horrifying, and you didn't have any way to fight in that game. Yeah. And I think a lot of people said oh the reason that game is so scary is because you can't you, you can't a, fight a, a, yeah but and... the i mean there is a a bit a bit of truth to that but the the other reason that game was so scary was because it was fucking scary yeah it was it, was, it was well done it was a well-crafted game and it, that would be a thing where if you had a gun with ammo in it the entire time you were playing that game it would still be scary because well yeah the like the things you find in that game, the the enemies that that you come across are not exactly 
killable, killable in, yeah. in a conventional way. So I, I think that argument is a little bit invalid when it comes to amnesia. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, what the fuck would you do to the thing in the water? Right, exactly. Like, there's no way. You, you have no to way. outsmart it. That's the only thing you can do, which is what you end up doing, you know, because you don't yeah. have any weapons. A really good example of kind of having it both ways, in my opinion, is the new Call of Cthulhu. Yes. Where it has a scene where um, you do have to fight, and it's really interesting the way they did it. I, I could see that be, being kind of a polarizing scene, because yeah. the the game sort of has a certain tone and a certain pacing to it, and towards the end you get to a part where you have to get from A to B through essentially a town that is full of enemy combatants. Yeah. And they're running at you, and the only thing you have to stop them is your gun. Yep. And it's not an action game, so the way they do it is um, they have you have sort of an RPG system of stats that you're increasing as you complete your investigations. Yes. You can put points into sort of like your combat skill. Basically what you do is your pistol is out. You you essentially just like click on them or, or press the attack button and on I them. Think, I think... And it does well, like an invisible dice roll behind the scenes to determine whether or not you hit them. Yeah. And if you hit them, they die. They just die. Right. Yeah. And it, it it feels really cool. Like I, I thought that scene was super well those done. Are, especially... It was one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah. Because... I mean, because you're a character who should be able to be relatively proficient with combat. Yeah. Who, who, like, they show you in the beginning of the game, carries a pistol on him. Mm -hmm. So you get into a scene where it makes sense to use it, and he uses it. And I, th I thought that was awesome. And they did it without, like, changing the actual... Like, it didn't become a shooter, you know? It was yeah. still the same well, game. The idea was that, like... You didn't see your ammo. But you right. had ammo. That and was... when you were out of bullets, you, you were, were out... Like, he, like, he's like, oh, shit. And he puts it away, like... Right, right, and that was another thing. Yeah, you don't have an ammo counter. You remember um, the King Kong game did that. It didn't. You didn't have a HUD, so when you pressed, you had to look. Yeah, you if would you like... if you like held the reload button without just pressing it once, if you held it, uh, Adrian Brody would Adrian Brody would take the clip out and he'd be like, oh, 15 shots or, or yeah. like whatever, like only six shells left or whatever. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that game. That game was pretty cool. That game was way cooler than it had any right to be for yeah. being a, a movie tie-in game. It, it's a super short game. Like you can beat it in like two hours. Yeah, but but it, it, it's fucking awesome. It had cool mechanics. It had, it had some cool mechanics that surprisingly didn't. The get... first-person shooter parts were really good. Yeah, it, it had some cool puzzles. It had some cool world traversal. And, then and the you... parts where you were playing as Kong were fucking awesome. Yeah, because you, you just were got to King, be King Kong. Kong fucking shit up. He, he, like, runs on walls and swings from vines and fucking rips dinosaurs in There's half. There's a point where you're actually, awesome. like, throwing cars and shit when you're in New York. And like... I hope they make that backwards compatible or something. That would be fun Wonder, to go through again. Or, or yeah. if they put it on Steam or something. I think there was a PC release for that. That's a game I would fucking go through again for sure. Yeah. Because it was, it was a, a game that kind of, I mean, you didn't... You, you didn't expect much from it. Like, honestly, the reason I bought it was because it was, like, one of the games, like, a lot of early Xbox 360 games where if you beat the game, you unlocked all the you achievements. Points, and yeah. I, 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 to an extent, still am, but I, there was a period where, where I was fucking it, yeah. obsessed with achievements, and I would just buy ten TMNT. games at a time on the cheap just to go through them and get the achievements and shit. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? I don't regret that because there were some fucking dope games we picked There's up that I would never have. Yeah. Um, Terminator Salvation. Terminator Salvation was awesome. If when you think of a game where you look at the box art, you look at the 
the back of it, you see what the gameplay looks like. You're like, that is the most generic fucking thing I've ever seen. This is probably trash. Let's get the achievements and fucking never play it again. We played that game co-op and it was fucking good. It was was a lot of fun. It had good mechanics. It had good design. It had good, tense, well-paced shootouts. Yeah. It had, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really well done and, I mean, it was technically a movie tie-in, but I don't think it really, it kind of had its own... It kind of had its own thing, its own yeah. Thing. Like, it, it it came out at the same time as the movie, and it was, like, in the Terminator universe, but I don't think... Were you playing as John Connor in that? Yes. I think you I think But I don't think were. he was, I don't think he was, um, like, meant to be uh, Christian Bale. Right. Right. I, I don't, it, it's looked, weird to think looked, about now that it's 2019. The that the summer where we went through all those games was fucking ten years ago almost now. That Jesus was the summer Christ. of 09. Jesus Christ. Where we went through like Wanted and Terminator. Wanted and, is a game. That that, that's needs, the same, same developer. Same too. developer. Yeah, Grin. Grin. They got unfairly shit on their, their entire career, and I, I. And fucking the game that everyone like remembers them for and and dislikes them for is the Bionic Commando remake, which I played a few years ago, and it's, it's fucking good. Fun as hell. I don't understand it's why. It's Stupid. And it's not like like Bionic Commando, I guess. Or maybe that's what Nathan Rad Spencer's an idiot, but right. he's fucking cool to play as. Right. Right. The game was fun. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't get. I don't. Am I playing the same game? I right. don't understand what's happening. I, I bought the it same... really cheap on Steam, and I I was like. I don't understand why. Like this is, this is like a like a solid seven out of ten. Right. Like, do you, do you remember back in the day when a seven out of ten was like decent, and now a seven yeah. out of ten is like, oh fucking garbage. Would never waste my time or money on this. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. There's so many like seven out of ten games back in the day. Like there was a golden age of like what I would call double A games. Yeah. They're not triple A. Yeah. They might be published by AAA companies, but they're not AAA budget. Like, games like, um... Oh, God, what am I... I'm fucking blanking on it now, but... Um, Dark Void, like Capcom put out. Oh, the, yeah. Like, it's a kind of a silly third-person action game with decent mechanics and a cool flight system yeah. where you can take off on a jetpack. Slightly pack. wonky. I, I played through that game for, for the first time last year because it's backwards compatible on xbox i played through it and i i didn't try to give it passes on stuff because it's so old i just played it like a game that i wanted to play and i still thought it was pretty decent yeah and a game like that would never get made nowadays no um no games like like singularity singularity was fucking great raven software oh yeah um like singularity was yeah singularity like it was... Which, by the way, Activision, I I did not test that game at all. That was before mm. any of that stuff was was in my wheelhouse. So I well, we've been Raven fanboys since fucking since the I I remember the first game, probably Soldier of Fortune one. Soldier of Fortune. I yeah. I, I, w- I was gonna say um, Jedi Outcast, but that was after Soldier of Fortune. That was after so... Soldier of Fortune. Yeah, Soldier of Fortune one was awesome. I didn't play Soldier of Fortune two until. It was pretty old. Yeah, but it, it, but, it, it, but it holds up. The first one holds up too, as long as you're oh, not playing. As long as you're not playing on Dreamcast. As long as you're not playing the Dreamcast version. Yeah, because it's still very hard, and having to load that long between every death is very uh, uh, disheartening. But 
Raven is just it. They're like my dream first-person shooter developer. They just want to feel good and be gruesome. Yep. Like it, and they they like you shooting people's arms off and you know blowing heads off and because they're they're a, a holdover from the the glory days of PC gaming. One of my favorite parts about the the book Masters of Doom, which is about id software, mm-hmm. is about their relationship with Raven and how they helped you know make. Um, you know, Heretic and and Hexen and and stuff like that, because there yeah. was there was a time when it was based out of Madison, which is how right. they it how is... they met the Raven guys, because that's right. still where Raven is. Um, but yeah, there there was a time where Raven was making games, and every single one of them, I will fight you if you don't think they're good. Fucking Singularity was a fantastic gem. Singularity, their Wolfenstein. their version of Wolfenstein, the 09 Wolfenstein, was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine oh, yeah. is fucking one of the greatest X-Men games I've ever played. It's because also probably the best movie tie-in game ever made. It probably is. The fact, like, the thing that sucks is it's in licensing limbo, because like it's one of those things where Activision published it, Raven made it, Marvel yeah. licensed it, and no one knows who has the rights to to put the damn game out again yeah. so that people could fucking play it or even just like make it backwards compatible so I can play it again without, you know, busting out the 360. But yeah. that game was phenomenal. If you, if you haven't played it, it's a, a hack and slash kind of yeah. game played from, you know, sort of the God of War perspective. Yeah. Um, but you're Wolverine and it's a hard M when you slash Visceral people, hell, yeah. when you slash people with your claws, they come apart. Um, Wolverine comes apart. Like your, your, your health, your health is, is his, your, your body. Yeah. Like your skin gets exposed and starts to heal over as you, you can like like see bones exposed and shit and you can slowly see your muscle and skin like there's a a cutscene in the game where Wolverine gets out of a pair of shackles by literally degloving his whole fucking arm, like to the bone, basically it's gruesome. It's so awesome. And like there's just no fucking way a game like that would get made nowadays. Oh. Well, it it's it's kind of the sad state of affairs of like the is it worth our time if it's not going to be AAA? Right. Like either it's indie, either it's fully indie, or it's AAA. Right. Like there there's not much in between anymore. Just because there's a lot of like it's not worth our time, or and the only the only games that buck that trend, like for example, like Hellblade. Yeah. is a game that, you know, isn't a game that had a triple-A budget. The, the only problem with that is that the guys at Ninja Theory, the guys and gals, the game feels triple-A. Oh, it, God, it, yeah. It, it feels like it was made by... I would by, consider it triple-A just from the final fo- the final product. It feels like it had a budget of, like, a triple-A game when mm-hmm. it didn't. So, it's a step in the right direction it's that that, that it right did direction. as well as it did. And, and that I, Microsoft saw that and was and now you know, has now owns them. It's kind of like maybe they're seeing that because the, the, the kind of the shitty meme is that single player gaming is dead. And right. Jim Sterling had a really good video about that. Like it's absolutely not fucking dead, but fuck no, it's not. But games like Hellblade where you have the game Hellblade, you have your storyline. And then when you beat the storyline, you can decide to stop playing or start it over. Right. That's it. That's you. You play the game. You beat it. and The game's done, and it was praised for that. Where a few years ago, when the order came out, exact same thing, about the same, about the same length too. It's almost like Hellblade might be a little bit longer, 
But I don't know. I don't know if I can chalk that up to Hellblade being harder, um, and being a little more cryptic. But the order came out, and I fucking loved that. Game. I I loved it too. I thought that game was excellent. It, it was such it, a well crafted. It like, was tight... it was it was half movie, but so it was really so, fucking good. So was Metal Gear Solid Four, and people yeah. fucking loved that. Right. The or the difference with the order I think versus Hellblade is the order was hyped so high. And I blame Sony for that. Yeah. They they hyped the shit out of that game. To the point where, like, everyone was looking forward to it. Even even people that probably shouldn't have been. Because what you have is... Um, you have people, act- like, uh, buying PS4. You have, you have a relatively short, very stylish action game with really not much else other than its aesthetic to set it apart. But here's the thing, the aesthetic was fucking really good. And it, they they nailed the look of it. They nailed like the technical aspects of it. Yeah. Um you know, of course there was also the controversy. You remember the the why it was locked at 30 frames per second rather than just admit like yeah, we can't make it go above that because it's a fucking console and we're pushing it to the limits. Mm-hmm. They had to say which I still think was probably something to do with a, a Sony mandate to say, oh no, it was a deliberate decision to make it feel more like a movie. It's like, just, it, it just admit that you can't hit 60. We, we understand. We really well, yeah. do. People will, people will complain, but we will understand. We, we don't need like the excuse of, we want it to be more like a movie because especially in that case, if that were the case, put a toggle. Right. You know, like, uh, Evil Within Two had that. You could yes, put the you could put the bar because the first Evil Within had it, and it was a stylistic thing. It actually was a stylistic thing. Yes, and but it was mandated until a patch took it out. Until a patch took it out because people were like, "Okay, I get it, but I don't want it." Yep. Like some people yep, want yep. it, some people don't. And Evil Within Two was like, "Okay, just from the very get go, it's a fucking thing in the in the in the options that you can turn on if you want the yep. the, the black movie bars." Resident Evil Four did that too, though. I think so, yeah. I, although, I, I could be wrong, but I think when Resident Evil 4 came out on GameCube, if you were playing it in 4.3, like on a non-widescreen TV, I think the black bars were mandatory. And I think there weren't black bars if you were playing on a widescreen display. No, because we had the we had the little we had a four three TV yeah. and yeah and was... and I remember the black bars in that game. I don't remember if you could turn them off. I just I remember think thinking it it looked pretty cool. But I didn't care because yeah, it looked cool and the game was rad. Right. And man that game is so good i just yeah i i don't know there's weird things that people will complain about but the point is the point is i mean in going back to horror games too in their single yeah we did kind of go off their, on their single player experiences like, right I mean, and and there there have been some pretty good multiplayer ones like a lot of people like the friday the 13th game you know, um, dead I, by daylight or whatever i picked it up called. when it was on super sale after they put the um the single player challenges in where you play as Jason and you just try to it's like Hitman basically but you have to kill it's the teenagers bear, in a certain way yeah it's Naughty Bear but you're Jason you're Voorhees, Jason Voorhees yeah. and I think that you know as an eighty slasher fan that's one of those things where it's like yeah that was worth the the ten bucks or whatever I paid for it yeah but you know I don't have much of a desire to do the you know the horror multiplayer thing I don't really have much of a desire to do anything multiplayer anymore yeah. because I'm old. And I don't have time to have other people have ruin my ruin fucking experience. Yeah. Um, co-op. Things that are co-op, like Destiny, where it's like, it just throws you in with randos. Right. A lot less stressful. 
because almost nobody has any sort of desire to talk to you in that situation. Correct. Um, so, and that, that's something that doesn't bother me, but I understand the, the kind of the, uh, burnt, the kind of being burnt out on multiplayer in general. It's just like, it's just like, well, cause people have fun ruining other people's fun. Yes. They, and they really do. And it's like, I don't think it's a, like a statement of, of society or of human nature in oh, general. I think it is. No, I was, but yeah, but, but it's, it, it's the anonymity. It's yes. the fact that no one's ever going to actually know who you are. And you know, you could say, I'm going to come to your house and fucking cut your head off. But like, you don't mean that because there's no possible way that you, right, you, you know, you have the people who are like, I'm going to find your IP address and I'm going to find where you are and I'm going to come to your house. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Well, you get into the next game and you'll do well. It'll be fine. And it's just human. It, it is human nature. Like people, you remember, people like being, people like knowing there's no consequences for the shitty things they do. Right. You remember when Mark was really good at uh, Mortal Kombat 9? Yes. The, the one that was just called Mortal Kombat. And he would play it on, he would come over to our house and he would play it online on, you know, my account. And he would fucking mop like, the floor. People, he would yeah. mop the floor. He was fucking good. And uh, some salty kid that he fucking beat sent me a message on xbox live a voice message it was like fight me legitly or i'm gonna take your account I'm take your account like he, th- he thought something about mark's victory was illegitimate even though i'm gonna take your account and you're like okay please describe to me how you're gonna take my account please. yeah pl- please please uh, as a thought exercise please <laughs> describe to me your plan to take my account but yeah that that's the idea and i mean Horror games being multiplayer is kind of a, a weird niche thing right now. There's not a whole lot of it out there. So, for the most part, they are single-player experiences. And, I'm, honestly, that genre alone is a, is a pretty good statement of how single-player single player isn't dead. No, single-player... If, if games are going to be only multiplayer, they don't need to be video games anymore. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the, the fact that there's a computer that can simulate being another person for you... Or can control the action and let you play by yourself is why you play video why you games. Play video games, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. The social aspect of multiplayer gaming is is phenomenal. It's awesome. It's a a great feature mm-hmm. to have. But single player gaming is not. If single player gaming dies, then gaming is dead. Yeah, exactly. In, in my and opinion. that that's that's the the argument that like you know people like Jim Sterling and stuff are saying like they're saying like calm down. Yes, multiplayer is a big thing, but it's such a small category of gaming as a whole right like yes multiplayer games get the most attention right now because they're fun to talk about they're fun to you know build a community around you know you have youtubers playing like Fortnite and um pubg and stuff like that and the idea isn't even necessarily that you know you know, battle royale is like the trend now, right? Right. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was mobas. It was mobas, yeah, and it's ever changing. And that's the thing with multiplayer is that multiplayer is something that has to keep evolving. Whereas single player experiences can be like you can have a, a game that's a single player experience that harkens back to something from before, and it can still feel fresh and new because it's I don't know, it, it's just how video games are meant to be. Like, Wait, right, like, like you said, some of the stuff that that back in the day i remember back in the day like one of the worst things you could say about a game in like the early to mid 2000s was that it was linear 
when people yeah. were like, the game is linear. It has one set path. You know, we want, we love games that are open. And now yeah. we've had so many open world games. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, some fucking incredible ones. Yeah. But we've had so much right. of that freedom of choice stuff that when you get an experience that's crafted to be A to B in a certain way, you, yeah. you realize that those open games don't have that level of moving from A to B, of like the levels flowing. And you and, think- yeah, you think about level design, it, it's so much more of a crucial thing in, mm-hmm. a, in a game like, like that. Like, the way the level flows, I don't think a lot of people give that credit. Like, there's people that, that, who, that's that their is, job. That is level design. A level designer, that's their job. And you don't realize that there's an entire, like, there's an entire group of people working on this video game that are just working on the level and the flow of the level and how things how things are presented to you and what when they're presented to you and you know like where you're going to find pickups where you're going and to ammo, find pickups where... where where your secrets are going to be where where doors are going to be where locks are going to be like the 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 idea of like you know you get into a level you get to a point where you're like okay this door's locked i need to go find a key and then you can turn around and be like oh haven't been there that's probably where i want to go next like the the idea of like a a level you don't realize that the level is guiding you without guiding you in a certain right. way. Right. Yeah, exactly. That that's what a good level design should do. It yeah. should it should tell you um tell you the rules without explicitly mm-hmm. showing them to you or without explicitly telling you. One of the things that I I liked with that sort of level design theory thing and I know Blair I, t- I already told you about this, but I was playing through um Medal of Honor um European Assault. Oh yeah. Which is is it European Assault? It was the first one they released on PC. I think it was European Assault. That sounds right. But, yeah. It's the first one they released on PC. Um, it's developed by a group called 2015. Um, and it came out in the early 2000s. And one of the first things that happens in the game is you come upon a door that's locked. You go to like open it. You hear the sound of the door. You know. Yeah. And a tooltip comes on the screen that, that just says, when you come across a locked door, don't worry about it. It can't be open. You can't find a key for it. Yeah. Move on. And I thought, that was kind of weird. But then, if you think about it, back in the day, this was still the old school Doom-style level design that a lot of people were thinking of. Colored keys. Where and... if you have a locked door, there's a key to that door somewhere. Yeah. And the locked door, rather than being set dressing that was where you had to go that was your objective you had to find the key to get in that door so what the game was doing by playing the sound and putting that little tooltip up was like essentially setting your expectations for the whole game where it was like don't worry about the the keys don't worry about this door that's locked yeah follow the objective stick to your team you know i thought that was really some nazis i thought i thought that was kind of a, a cool little bit of bit of design work because the people's you know, their mindset back in that day would have been a lot different when you're playing a first-person shooter. Even one that has a serious kind of real-world theme like that. And that's the thing, too, about single-player games. And I'm not saying that a multiplayer game, like a game that's made to be multiplayer, can't be well-crafted. And Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously can be. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. And... I'm not I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the making a single player game it, it's like an it's a there's an art to it where you have to craft you have to be able to craft the experience 
like for the player because there's going to be one person who's interacting with all of these things that you're putting into this whereas right. multiplayer a lot of it is like i'm going to make these you make these game modes you you know you balance them whatever you balance the weapons or you balance whatever the objectives right. whatever you have to do but, but, then, but you're but then, building the level you're not building the gameplay yeah the, 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 the players game, are going to the build players the are building the gameplay and i mean that's a cool idea and it's obviously i see why a lot of people gravitate towards that because right. it's like it's a player driven experience but, but the idea multiplayer of... a multiplayer game has to be balanced and in order for an action game to be fun it has to be heavily balanced in the favor of the player yes. even in a even in a hard action game it needs to be balanced in the the favor of the player because if you fight one enemy per level it's fucking boring yeah. you want to you need to be an army you know cutting down enemies and exploiting their weaknesses and the thing is you can't do that in a balanced multiplayer game, which is why, right. in my opinion, the single player experience will always be superior to, to what to what I want in a game. Not to right. not objectively superior. Don't you know? Don't want yeah. that to be. No, I'm there with you. But you know, you remember a few years ago when um, a lot of indie games were starting to procedurally generate things. That was a big selling point. It was like yeah. the levels that, are procedurally yeah. generated, and the reason it was a selling point was because that in a lot of people's eyes was like infinite replayability no, because two levels are the, the same, levels are yeah. never the same. You know, the experience is going to be different each time, which is pretty cool, but the industry really quickly got burnt out of it. And now the exact opposite is true. Uh, if you make a game that has dungeons, you say they're handcrafted. Yeah. They're, they're, they're designed a to B and that's a selling point now. And that used to just be the thing. That was just what a game was, was a well-constructed series of, of levels that were laid right. out in a specific way for optimal gameplay. Right. I mean, if you think about, like, um, a game like Destiny, or I, I haven't... I've barely scratched the surface on Anthem, so I guess I don't know how their dungeons are, but games that have, like, these strikes, or I don't know what Anthem calls them, or, like, um, uh, I mean, even Warframe, to a certain extent, they have the level types. And... Warframe's a little more, like, different every time just because you go into, like, you know, you have a tile set, specific tile sets that have a look. Yep, and then and you have a mission layouts, type. That you have a mission determine. type, and then you put the mission types in those layouts, and they're different, you know, the different kind of groups of enemies. You're never going to go into an exterminate mission and be like, oh, the, this, this guy's always going to be here, and this guy's always going to be here. But, right. like... You know, Warframe the... is almost like a marriage of procedurally generated. It's like it's like they procedurally generate options that were handcrafted. That were handcrafted. That's kind yeah. of what Warframe seems like. But you go into a game like Destiny, and you are meant to do the strikes, you know, over and over again. And to an extent, it is sort of like, oh, this guy's going to be here. This guy's going to be here. I like that about it. I like the idea that, like, okay, we're getting to this room. Like, okay, you go up there, you go up there. There's going to yeah. be some guys over here. Like, and, you know, and again, Destiny, to an extent, it's not going to be entirely the same every time. Like, there's right. not necessarily going to be the same group, but you'll, like, you'll have, like, okay, this big guy's going to come out. And you're going to, he's going to come out when you activate this thing. So don't start activating this until you're ready to fight this big guy. But then we can right. have people up here who are going to be ready with this, like, keep your supers ready. And, and you still have sort of the emergent element of. Even though you've done it before, your loadout might not be the same. So right. a boss, gonna a boss is going to be different if you have different weapons, or, right. or you're a different class, or you're ro rocking a different subclass. Yeah, the, the the idea that they've added this thing too, where it's like, oh, you're going to get rewards if you're playing as the same subclass as someone else in your group. 
So right. then you're like, okay, right. then you, you this have guy to think about it even beforehand. This guy's doing a solar subclass. I'm like, I usually do void, but I'll try solar. So then it's going to be different. It, it's going to be essentially different. Like when I fight this guy, like, I'm, oh, I'm not going to be playing a support role here. I'm going to be playing a damage role. But the idea, you're still going into these dungeons that are essentially the same. Right. It's still sort of the same core challenge. Yeah. But it, it, like, it gives you multiple ways to tackle it. The challenge, yeah, the challenges are the same. How you do, you go from A to B to C, and you fight the boss at the end, and then you're done. But it, I think it, that's it, why, it, like, a lot of people will talk shit about Destiny, but hardly anyone doesn't like the strikes. Yeah, it, it, it's, they're, it's because they're they're they're, they're well designed. You know, the the people at Bungie who have been doing first person shooters since Halo or since Marathon, even. Yeah. You know, they know that sort of level design. And it really, really shows through in well, the yeah, scripted, the, the, the parts where it feels like it was crafted to be, like, a level. And, and if they were part procedurally of an generated strikes, I don't think they'd be as good. No. I don't think they, like, you'd have... I don't think so You'd have all. the first time you did it, you'd be like, oh, that was cool. And then the next time you'd be like, okay... Like, maybe this part, like, I remember, the, you know, the fucking little hive guys swarming over this hill before. I remember, like, you activate this thing and then they fucking come out in droves. And there's this really cool moment where you have to fight them off or whatever. And then the next time you did it, what if that didn't happen? What if a big guy came out instead? And you're like, that was, that wasn't as well paced. That wasn't. Right. It, that, w- that was like, different, but yeah, was not unexpected, better. unexpected, but I didn't like it as much. So the idea that they're, they are handcrafted, I mean. Some people might use that as a as a negative point. Like, it's the same thing. You do it, you're supposed to do it a bunch of times, it's the same thing. But, like, they're designed to be replayed. Right, they're exactly. Des- they're designed to be fun, regardless of how many times you've done it. Right, and the, the core gameplay loop of something like Destiny versus something like Halo is totally different. Halo mm-hmm. is designed to be done in a specific order, and the the narrative goes in a linear fashion, whereas Destiny is done in a way where you kind of get the narrative piecemeal, and the only thing that's really um, like cohesive to the experience is the lo- the the designs of the levels that you're in. Yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong. Yes, you can get burnt out on something like Destiny or Warframe. I mean, I consistently get burnt out of both of them, but I always come back to them. That's that's the difference. You right? always come like, back to it, like. Uh, as long, I mean, I've taken, for both of those games, I've probably taken months off at a time. Of Destiny, for sure. Destiny, for War, sure. Warframe, Warframe probably not to say. As, as much. Because, Warframe is harder to say. But, yeah. well, because I, you know, you have PC and you have Xbox. And, and now know, Switch. And Switch. And yeah. I've even started it on PlayStation 4. Yeah, I did too I before. I wanted to play it on console and it wasn't on an Xbox one at the time. So I was like, fuck yeah. it. But the, the, the fact is, like, yes, I absolutely have gotten burnt out on Warframe. I absolutely have gotten burnt out on Destiny. But the fact of the matter is, there's going to be a point where I'm going to say, you know, I fucking want to play Destiny right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking boot up Destiny. I, you know, I've been consistently playing Warframe for a while now. Like, yeah. It's been a pretty long... Streak. The reason is because both of those games have a satisfying gameplay loop. It's because, yeah. Because, yes, it is a gameplay loop. You are going to do things over and over again, but it feels good. It feels it's well made. It's well designed. It's designed to be a gameplay loop. Like it's designed to be something you can play over and over again. Yeah. And regardless of if you get burnt out on it at some point, there's gonna be a point where you're like, yeah, that, that I'm gonna go back to that. Like, like I don't want this to sound like overly violent or anything, but I don't know if there's a more satisfying 
thing in gaming than getting a perfect headshot in Destiny. The, oh yeah. The 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 combination of like the feedback on the controller, the the visual uh, feedback of you know it's a it's a teen rated game so it's not gory. No, but, but like there's each alien has like an effect that happens when you shoot them in the head. Like, right. Like, like the cabal have like that steam that black steam that yeah shoots out, the that steam that out. shoots up the high. Like, it looks like their head comes off, but when you look at them, they're just it's there. It's just like their helmet flew right. off sh- and like, you, like steam shot, shot their, out. their helmet off. Yeah. But the combination of that with you know the audio, you hear this nice crisp like. Mm-hmm. Shing, kind of like hit marker sound when it when it lands yep. the controller just ever so slightly just the, vibrates yeah. to let you know that you, the you've, feedback you've that you, done you, a good you've done a good yeah <laughs> it's just it's fantastic yeah like <clears throat> uh problems aside with the series too battlefield also has a very good satisfying it, it's mostly in the sound design because battlefield's always had fucking good Battle, sound battlefield 5 sound design but when you get fucking... a headshot in battlefield it gives you like this distinct like you hear like the what sound of the bullet going in but you also hear like a ching sound and it, it just it's not realistic like a person's mm. head's not gonna have a weird metal hit metal sound when it goes i mean no, like maybe it's supposed no. to send a, a, indicate like a bullet going through a helmet or something but I don't know, but the idea is that it's the feedback and like the the idea of like even something as small as like the hit reticle instead of being white, it's red. Right. When you get a kid, like it just the little details of the feedback. Max like, Payne three did that. Yeah. Where when you when you got a kill, it would the, flash re- really quickly. Your where your dot was for your reticle would turn to a red X real quick. Yeah. To let it you know that flashes a red X real yep, quick. Guy's dead. Don't have to keep shooting him. Yeah. But of course, it rewarded you if you did keep shooting them by showing you a cutscene. The kill cam. The kill cam of, of your bullets still going into yeah. That game is fucking phenomenal. Um, but it's the it's the little things, and that's what a single player experience really focuses on. And there's so much so much like craft that goes into just every little experience that a lot of people overlook, and. The, it's just it's one what makes the, me appreciate the thing in like oh, shit, I, so I, I remember too one of the things when I was in school for game design we didn't have a lot of design classes but when we did one of the things that every book we read one of the good things i went to a pretty shitty school but the good thing was the books they chose um were written by people who were actually in the industry so the books they gave us were fucking on point and one of the things that was noted was like the difference between a good level and a great level is pacing and pacing is what separates a single player game from a multiplayer game because no matter what you're doing in a multiplayer game, every match of like Call of Duty or Battlefield, no matter where what match you're on, no matter what type you of match you're on, no matter what your loadout is, no matter what map you're on, the pacing of every game is the same. Yeah. And that pacing is sometimes exactly what you want, and sometimes, at least for me, is not at all what I want. Mm-hmm. And single player being able to sort of craft the the pacing as you go is awesome can i can i get on my fucking soapbox and tell me tell everyone one thing i fucking hate about some modern games yes if you are playing a game if you have a single player game and for no reason other than to be hardcore in quotes you don't allow the user to pause fuck yourself fucking dark souls started it and yeah. now fucking every faux hardcore game in the world is like, oh, single player? 
fucking bring up the menu? That shit ain't pausing. You can't pause. <laughs> You're like, I, like a multiplayer game. I get it. You can't pause a multiplayer game. Well, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, Dark Souls. I get that. There's sort of a multiplayer component where you can be invaded, but you can. I think you should be able to turn that off and. No, fucking... what Dark Souls should do is it should do what Resident Evil does, where you have a pause menu, and then you have your inventory. And your right. inventory doesn't pause the game, but you can pause the goddamn game. Right. Like, yes, if you need to fucking like, it adds tension. You're like, oh fuck, I gotta, I gotta reload, and I got, oh my god, okay, okay, like, I, I need to pick up these bullets, but I don't have room for them, so I need to, like, I need to use this thing, I need to drop <laughs> this thing really fucking quick, and like, that makes sense. But if you just need to go pee in Dark Souls, and you're like, okay, I need to find a fucking corner, yeah, that no assholes at. Right. Like, or I can wait until I get to a bonfire. Like, I my, get it, but my, it, my bladder isn't gonna isn't gonna deal with that. Now, Dark Souls almost has an excuse, in my opinion, because it has the invasion mechanic. I played yeah. through a game recently called Immortal Unchained, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, a flawed, but on the on the in the the pit of its soul is a lot of good ideas, and it really wants to be a good game. And I played through that it. That really helps. Knowing that the developer wanted to make something cool and it wasn't a right. cash it, grab. It, it makes it so much easier to overlook jank when there's some heart to it. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of a Souls-like. There's absolutely zero multiplayer components. There's no way to be invaded. There's no yep. way to... There's not even like a leaderboard where you can compare scores or whatever. And you can't pause, and you can't because, pause it's a, the because it's a Souls-like. Because it's a Souls-like. It's yeah. like, guys, come on. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's an annoying trend. It's... I, I, it's a trend that I get. I understand it, but let's move on. Let's 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 move on. Let's move on. Let's 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 make the start button pause again, please. Yeah. Like if your game has to if if it the game doesn't let you pause just to be hardcore, then maybe your game isn't very hardcore. Right? Because like Immortal Unchained very much was. That game is ball grindingly difficult. Yeah. It 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 sort of has Bloodborne Syndrome, where you pass a plateau, and then it never gets any harder, and it actually does start to get easier because as you start to out-level stuff, and you start to figure out strategies. Yeah, the second half of Bloodborne was way easier than the first I, half. I, it took me um, about 30 hours to beat Immortal Unchained the first time through, and then New Game Plus One, which is supposed to be incrementally harder, took me three and a half hours. Because you you were because already I, so I was I was so powerful I was I could one shot some of the bosses yeah. it was you know it was crazy but anyways that's beside the point that was me jumping on my soapbox real quick um, I wanted to take a minute um, to talk about since we've gotten way off the topic here um, we've already mentioned Call of Cthulhu a little bit um, but I think I think we need to talk a little bit more about it because that game sort of um, it was on our radar because we're big Lovecraft fans yeah. Like, the, the mythos is our, kind of our shit. Mm-hmm. So we were really looking forward to it ever since it was announced. Um, but I think it kind of took a lot of people by surprise when it came out, because the um, Cyanide Studios did it. They're yep. not the, you know, the biggest or most prolific developer out there. I believe they're Polish, right? I think so. Um, and this game, 
there there was definitely there's some, a little bit of jank to it, you know. Oh, it's definitely a low budget game. Right, you can you can tell that but, it's not a, a high budget AAA game, but they fucking made the most of that budget. They nailed they nailed it. Like the the things that are a little janky are the things where you're like, I don't fucking care. Like that doesn't right. that doesn't detract from the experience. Right. And you know, they they purposely do think like one of the things that the jankiest part of it is probably like the lip syncing and the the characters' facial animations and stuff. But they purposely film it in a way that sort of obfuscates the people's faces. The it's it's like stylish, stylish or, yeah. or you're very rarely looking straight on at someone while they're talking. Right. Um and the 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 tone of the the game, the level design, you know, the the puzzles were really easy, which I Part of me kind of wishes some of them were a little more in-depth, but at the same time, the narrative kind of pushed you so forward that getting stuck on a puzzle, I think, would have been detrimental to the overall experience. So I, I actually think it was yeah. probably a good choice on their part to to keep the flow going. And it was not a jump-scary game. No, but it, it had some... I don't even know if they were... like I think there was maybe two of them that were scripted. But there were moments in that game where I had to like I had to pause it and just take a minute. Yeah. And I was like, "Fuck!" I didn't realize like I was that on edge, and then something happened, and I was like, "Okay, hold on, I just gotta catch my breath." Yeah. I just gotta mm-hmm. hurt like yeah, like I didn't realize that it was it was affecting me like that, but holy shit. The game really fucks with your mind. It sort of fucks with the the expectations you have of a you know first person almost walking simulator type of game. Right. Um. Like, like we mentioned, there's the scene where you know, w- with the gun, where it sort of becomes a, f- a first-person shooter a little bit. Um, just the the way that it deals with insanity and not knowing what is real and what isn't is really good because, like, we're we like between the two of us, we've probably read every fucking story Lovecraft has written. Oh yeah. And 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 many many that are just the, that the, are in, inspired in, by the mythos. You know, whether mythos, whether yeah. it's the Old school stuff like um, Frank Belknap Long or um, or Clark Ashton Smith, like yeah. we read those. We read the modern yeah. authors, you know, like Laird Barron, Laird John Barron, Langan. Yeah. They they do these fucking great Lovecraftian tales. We've read pretty much everything in the genre, and when the the story is put together in a way that even I didn't understand or not understand, I didn't, I couldn't tell what was insanity what was and what real wasn't and what was yeah. The, yeah the way they did it was was great and it wasn't in a way where it was annoying we we're like why can't, why couldn't they just explain what's going on like there's questions that i still don't know the answer to but it's done in a way where it's like yeah that's a question that i'm not going to get answered and i had to deal with that because this is a cosmic horror story and that's just the fucking way it is yeah it, it, it doesn't need to be answered the thing the thing is there's a moment pretty pretty close to the beginning of that game where you see a a, a pretty big character die and oh, then yes i know i know the shit scene. goes down mm-hmm. and you are you lose consciousness and when you wake up that character is there completely unharmed yep that was and the first that was time. the first moment where i was like Oh, it's gonna do this. Where I was like, oh, oh, it's going for it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Because I actually don't. Because I was like, okay, it's gonna be one of those things where they're gonna pretend like you know they're gonna be like, what are you talking about? You weren't down there. But they, then like they're like, oh yeah, we found you under some rubble. And I'm yeah, like, we found you exactly, exactly where, where where I was. Where you were. 
and you, you fucking you, you gave us a scare and you're like uh but you're dead <laughs> yeah. and and then it, it and then it never gets brought up again yeah he's just in the rest of the game <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting there like okay well what was the fucking like what was wrong was it him dying that i saw or was it Right, like, like where, where's the break? Of my... was, did I did I hallucinate him dying, or is everything after that? Or the am hallucination? I hallucinating all of this? Yeah, right. And, it, and, never and you have, it. you have reason to suspect that could be the case based on shit that happens to you after. Like, it's I don't want to give any spoilers away. It's... I would say if you if you have the means to to pick up Call of Cthulhu, and you're at all interested, and you're at all interested in in the subject matter or Seriously. the genre, give it. Yeah, yeah, like I said it's not. Perfect. No, it's it's but, not. There, there's parts of the game that are the you know that you might be a little annoyed by, but the just the actual overall experience of that game when the credits rolled, I was like, yeah, fuck. It, it it like you just sort of sat there like quiet, like you're just like, oh, wow, yeah, like, holy shit. <laughs> the last the last game I played that affected me in that way was a Machine for Pigs, the Amnesia yes. sequel. Machine for Pigs, I. Beat a machine for pigs basically in one sitting. Um, I did it and, in two, and I did it technically in two too. But the first sitting I had was like getting out of the first main area. Like it was like probably forty five minutes, and then the other few hours of the game I did all in one sitting. At that point, I just like I turned off my light. I was in my dorm. I was living, you know, on campus. Or oh, in college. was that with your the was the nun with you? Yeah, the it? the spooky the... nun who haunted my dorm was watching. Yeah, she thought it was pretty spooky too, but um, I I fucking I got home from my classes and it was October, so you know it was dark out already. Like it, it was my late day, and I was like, you know what, I don't have anything going on. I'm you know I you don't have any homework. I got all that done. Whatever. I'm just gonna fucking turn off the lights. I can draw my blinds, put on my headphones, and I'm gonna finish this fucking game. And I played through the whole thing. And I just sort of like I didn't say anything. I didn't text you. I texted you later afterwards, but I didn't Probably text you. Like, I didn't yeah. text anyone. I just fucking I was like put on my coat and I just walked. I went yeah. and walked around and I was like I had to think about it. Yeah. And I was like sitting on a bench and I was like, God damn! I need to see if Donovan's beating this. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had I hadn't even played it yet. I owned it. I hadn't yeah. played it yet because I I loved the first Amnesia, and. The, the actual, like, uh, it was a different kind of game because there wasn't a lot of moments where you could lose in Amnesia 2. In when Machine you... for Pigs, it was, there was a few moments where you were running from stuff, but for the most part, it was just figuring out, like, simple traversal puzzles and getting through it. But, yeah, but the, the... the storyline, the underlying storyline, when it, when it comes together at the end, and you realize what everything is, what everything means, what you've been doing, you get... It was a simultaneous feeling of like revulsion, yeah. but it was also super badass. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when you realize that what you've done in the past and what you're doing now, when all of that like clicks and it all clicks at the same time. Yeah, like you realize like oh, and then you're like oh, oh and the yeah. fucking the score kicks in. The score of that game is phenomenal. The last, by the, way. the last like twenty minutes of that game. I'm thinking about it right now and I'm getting goosebumps. Like, it... It just... It fucking... And it's not even really... The... After probably the final half hour, the last, like, creature that can do any harm to you is 
gone. Like you, you traversed it. You, you, you were done with that shit and yeah. you're just getting towards the end and you're just so fucking riveted and it, it doesn't let go until the fucking, until the credits hit and you're just sitting there like, God Damn. Yeah, there was one of those things where, like, as someone who, like, went to school for game design and has, like, my entire life wanted to make games, it was a game where when the credits rolled, I was just, like, I... It was, like, almost depression. I was, like, I will never make anything as that, that resonates epic. that resonates with people like this This just did with me. Like, it's such, it's such like, on the surface, it's such, a, like, a, a small-scale kind of game. Like, a very intimate... It it is an creepy, intimate story. claustrophobic kind of game, but and it, then it, but at the end, the scale of it so makes it feel like the fucking epic. It makes it feel like it's the world. Epic. Yeah, it's, it's a goddamn like, like, it's like um, it's like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Like it's it's something that should be talked about. It's something that should be studied. Yeah, and and it's, that game is. Uh... Yeah, it's. I mean, you're not wrong if you think there's not much gameplay in that game. I mean, no. That's... I mean, it's walking from point A to point B, and sometimes things kill you. Sometimes, sometimes things. Sometimes things can. And kill they don't you. even really kill you. Like when they capture you. Yeah, you basically like. I think they eventually will kill you if you get caught enough. But it's actually kind of creepy because when you get caught, you would expect to die, and you then just you just wake sort up of in a cage. you wake up in a cage, and you don't and you know where you are, and, you're and like, you can oh, escape from it. Fuck. Yeah. Like okay, now I don't know. I knew where my path was before, but now I gotta fucking find it again. And there's a point in that game where it, it's kind of like the main, the first time that you really deal with the the creatures in it, and it's fucking horrifying because like you you hear these like pig squeals and it's super right. dark. And you it, can't see anything. The the pig squeals, by the way, have kind of tormented you up to this point as well. Yeah, and you know that they're in the room with you. And you're surrounded by cages, and they could be in the cages, they could be fucking behind you, they could be above you, you don't know. You just hear these echoes, and you hear, like, you know, movement, and you hear these squeals, and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, this, I'm finally dealing with these things. And, yeah, when you first see them, it's not, like, a big fanfare thing, it's just something, like, you'll be walking, you're like, oh, fuck, it's right there. Like, it's, right. and then you realize that. It doesn't that... even, like, if I remember right, it doesn't even notice you at first. Like, it's walking. No, across, it's just like, walking. It's like Bigfoot just walking across yeah. the screen. And you're like, and you're like oh, oh, you try to turn fuck. off your light, try to turn off your light, you're like, okay, did it see me? Oh, my God, yeah. did it see me? And then you just hear it, like, squeal, and you're like, oh, my God, is it coming? I don't know. Yeah, is it just talking? I'm, is it, I'm not going to turn me? my goddamn light back on. But the game does such a good job where it, you don't know if, what their threat. You don't know, like you assume they're a threat, and because they're horrifying, because they're fucking scary, and it never holds your hand. Like, oh, these things are gonna kill you. Right, you better run. Like, it's just you see them. It's literally and they're there. like like fight or flight when you see them. Like, yeah, there's no tutorial for that. That's just human nature. You fucking yeah. don't want to deal with that. Right, and it's it's something that any other. Any like if it was done today by a less competent developer, and not even not even a less competent developer, but uh, if it was done today, that scene would probably be a jump scare, right? Or like it would be it would be a a, a scripted event that would happen the same way. It would it would be it, it would be, be like more an in your introduction. Face. Yeah. It would be like a oh shit! Like maybe it would even be a cutscene. You know, I mean, like a good example is like. Um, the resident the the Resident Evil trope of the first time an enemy shows up, you get a cutscene of it doing something fucked up. Right. Like you know, Resident Evil Two, you got the liquor on the ceiling and it fucking goes. There's, down there was the shoot. iconic moment in Resident Evil One where you see the zombie crouched over the guy. Yeah. And it turns around. And it turns around. And there's blood in its mouth. And 
Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff, and that stuff works. But it can be... The, the, the idea of Machine for Pigs, and it really becomes apparent why it's done like that later on in the game, but the idea is that it never... It never tells you that these are enemies. Right. It never it never says like this thing's gonna kill you and yes, they will attack you when they see you and they will capture but they capture you. So like you're never really sitting there being like I don't know what this thing wants to do with me. Like, <laughs> does it wanna kill me? Is yeah. it just putting me in there? Because it's like I don't know what you are, but you're getting the hell out of my way. Like, it never explains that. Right. And it that makes it so much scarier. It, it... Uh, yeah, in my opinion, it did. It it, it made those scenes extremely unnerving. Cause yeah, you, like, yeah, I got caught by it the first time, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm dead!" Like, what happens now? And then I wake up, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm not dead." Yeah, now I'm oh, in a different part of the. I'm fucking... in a different part of this exact same room, and I don't know where I am now. Like, I need to find where I am, and they're still in here with me. Yep. And I'm like, "Well, shit." <laughs> they're a threat, but I don't know what kind of threat they are. Yeah, that, uh, the the game the even more than the the gameplay and the level design, e- even more so than like the atmosphere, which is phenomenal in that game. The the narrative, um, which could have been a throwaway thing, really was not. It was it was a dark, disturbing, oh, extremely well told tale. It played like I said, it played like an old novel, right? Like a it very did. like like, and that was it matched the aesthetic too, yeah. which was. A I very thought it was gothic a, a... novel, an incredibly like, like the way characters talked and like even their even their names. Mandis. Mandis, yeah, yeah. like like it, it's a very old school like. It feels like it's an old like it's an adaption of an old fucking. It's it feels like it's an adaption of a novel that came out at the same time as Frankenstein, right. which like, is, I think, exactly what I wanted out of that game. Yeah, and um. It's another one that gets a, 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 a highly recommended from the mm. Berninez boys. It's intense. It's definitely something you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prepare yourself for. Right. Because it, S- set us set aside four hours. Set yeah. aside three hours to beat the game and an hour to decompress. An hour to decompress and figure out what the, figure out your life after yeah. <laughs> your life after amnesia. Um, and yeah, like I said, again, amne- a machine for pigs and the first amnesia. Neither of them are perfect games. No. Neither of them are, are you know, like... We're not saying it, it's going to be... Like, you're going to play it and you're going to be like, wow, there's never going to be another horror game that <laughs> plays that well. Like, right. Never, you're never going to have a horror experience like that, but you're going to... The the strong point of both of those games, on top of the, the well-paced scares and the, the, the level design that moves you the... through, is they both have narratives that are haunting yeah and, and they they, they actually go you. somewhere they go yeah it's not just like it's a, not a throwaway thing which a lot of horror games can be because it's like okay like i i am an investigator and i'm going to investigate <laughs> a murder of this person i'm going to investigate really the spookies it doesn't really matter but what matters is that i am now in this scary house so let the scares happen <laughs> yeah. and i don't really care who killed the person. It's a ghost. I know the ghost is spooky. Yeah, Let's get some spooky jump scares in there. And there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. that oh, oh, there's be... a lot of good horror games that are like that. That have throwaway, you know, kind of stories. Uh, I mean, 
that yeah, that, like I said, that's not necessarily a negative point, but the idea of the amnesia games is that it is absolutely the point that the narrative is like the narrative is king. The narrative is and what drives you through it's everything. Personal. It's, it's a very a, a personal. personal story, and it just continues to get more personal while also <laughs> continuing to get more grand. Right. It gets bigger. It opens up. It involves more of the world, and at the same time, it still. It focuses in on a single character, which is the character that you are controlling, that you are inhabiting, yeah. and that you are slowly discovering, you know, in the case of Amnesia, mm -hmm. the, the, the naming of the game is apt because you don't remember, you don't remember. who you're, you're, you are. You're discovering, so you're discovering it with the character. What your character was, like, why are you there? Right. Like, you're in this scary place, yeah, but the idea is not like, okay... I'm a person, I came here for the, and now I'm at this scary place, oh no, something bad happened. But the idea is that the thing that's driving you is figuring out, why the fuck am I here? This place is fucked up. Right. Why am I here in the first place? Who am I? Like, why would any person come here knowingly? <laughs> this place sucks, <laughs> in and both, I hate it. <laughs> in, in both cases, the answer to that question is more complex and fucked up than you would have imagined. And you would have imagined. And it's what keeps you going. And it's not like a, like a, oh, that's it? Right. Like, you said it and you're like, fuck. Like, oh, Oh, geez. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that... Long story short, play Amnesia, but both of them. Yeah, they're, I think the collection that has both games is on PS4 and X1. I think it's like 25 bucks or something. Like you have Steals. No if you don't have it on PC already, I'm saying, you have no reason not to play those deals games. Deals of deals. Yeah. Again, unless you don't like horror games, but I don't because know why you're Because they're intense. Again, they are... Like, the scares... A Machine for Pigs, less so than the first one. Just because it doesn't focus so much on, like, the... Staying in the dark makes you creepy. Like makes you makes creepy shit happen, so that you have to constantly be refilling this. I don't think your lantern can go out in the second one. No, it doesn't. There's a mechanic in the first game where you have to keep your you have to find oil for your lamp to keep the light because if you stay in the dark too long, you start to go insane, which is bad for a lot of reasons. Yeah. However, the other the downside to that is when the enemies show up, the light obviously gives you away. So yeah. it's a balancing act between. Um, Insanity and staying safe. And staying safe. And, yeah. and that's sort of where most of the gameplay of Amnesia comes in, is balancing that and also doing the stealth of hiding. Stealth and... And, okay, and solving yeah. simple solving puzzles. Solving puzzles like, oh, oh I gotta make stuff. this mixture so I can pour acid on this lock. Because yep. I don't have a key, so I'm gonna fucking burn this lock away. Or I'm gonna... I gotta figure out, like, how to move this and then... I can stack that on top of that, and then that'll hit that. Like it's stuff like it's simple stuff where right. like you're like, okay, I know I need to put that there. One of the most memorable moments from the first Amnesia that I think will go down in history as one of the defining horror gaming moments is when you encounter the creature in the water. Mm -hmm. So you, um, if you haven't seen this, the conceit of it is you you enter this waterway. Where there is an invisible creature it's like waist in waist high water. It's like waist high water with some debris floating in it and some bodies floating in it. Yep. And you soon realize that there is a creature in the water that will kill you and you cannot see it. You can't see it. You can, you can see, see it. You can see the effect it has on the water, which yep. is a well done effect. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the, the way to get through this scenario is you have to bait it with the dead bodies. With bodies. You, have, you have to use the dead bodies to yep. distract it. 
while you get by. And just the the visceralness of that, of, of how gruesome that scenario is, yeah. along with being hunted by something that you can't properly can't see, see and that you can't damage, yeah. it leads to a scenario where that's like the, the gear check, where a lot of people just nope out. They're like... Yeah, it's fairly have, early on. Yeah, it's I, fairly early on, and it's this game can't can't do it. Right, Just and that that's the moment where people are like, "Yeah, I couldn't get past that part. Like, uh, that was it for me." Because you're sitting there, and you get into the water, and then it just comes at you. Yeah, and the the thing that Frictional Games, the developer of Amnesia, Dark, the Dark Descent, one thing that they did really well with their original game, which was um, Penumbra. Penumbra, yeah, um, is sort of portraying to the user a panic state in the player character yeah with breathing and camera effects you know on the screen and when shit goes down in amnesia your character starts to panic the you know your field of view kind of narrows, narrows the the, 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 mu- the music gets gets more intense it gets more intense kind of it gets muffles. kind of piercing and yeah. and unpleasant yeah. and Th- this happens when you see a, a creature like that. So you're dealing with that. You're dealing with the fact that it's coming towards you and you have to figure out a way to to navigate beyond it. It's a, a harrowing scene and it's a it's done incredibly well and I think that's one of the reasons that it's remembered so fondly as such a great horror game. Because it is. It really is. But that scene is, that scene is above and beyond. The, it's yeah. kind of like the high water, no pun intended, the high water mark of, of spooks spooky scenes in your game yeah well uh we're going on really long here so i feel like we didn't even talk about a lot of the stuff we were gonna i feel like probably i feel like we've got quite a few more of these you know lined up ready to go in the future but is there any last thoughts you want to get out before we bid these fair listeners adieu um just in terms of like this year so far it's january it's January. Obviously. Yeah. Fuck you, it's January. Holy shit. Is it going to be a good year for games? Yeah. Like, we I have started off fucking strong. Re- Resident Evil 2 Remake, I'm only a couple hours in, yeah. but it's already a game of the year contender. I, yeah. And I, you know what? 2017, Same thing uh, happened with Resident, Evil, Resident 7. Evil 7 came out, yeah. and... and January. fucking blew me away to the January. point where I was like, this is, like, it's games are going to have to work pretty fucking hard to take this off of my... Like yeah. my, you know, top even top five. Yeah. That game is is phenomenal. And Resident Evil Two is, it's, it's wow, wow, is it good? Yes. And it's yeah, it's just a, an incredibly strong contender. And like, it's January. right off the bat. It's January. I mean, other games we're looking forward to. We've got um, Metro Exodus. Metro Exodus, which we, we should have talked about Metro. Metro. We'll, we'll do that we'll next time. That. We'll talk those about are Metro. our horror games as much as they are action games yeah. because of we the, have, we the have a few of those to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, horror, because like, horror and action can be blended very well and be very exciting while also still being scary. Right, because there's games that have proven that those things aren't mutually exclusive, like some right. people think. Like no, knowing that you're able to hold your own in a fight, it it sometimes doesn't matter. Like right. It, it, there, there's still moments where you're like, okay, I can't take that thing down, or right now, or I'm gonna have to find a better way to take that down, or I'm gonna have to figure out. Like, it, it's it's a balancing act that, yeah, the Metro games. We'll, we'll definitely have to talk about them in depth because they're excellent at it. Yes. Um, but yeah, Metro Exodus comes out in February. That game yeah. is is gonna be phenomenal. 
Um, Rage 2 I'm super excited about. Rage 2 looks pretty cool. That's yeah. definitely not, not going to have any sort of real horror elements from what I can tell. No. Um, it looks like it's going to be more of a fun, straight-up kind of action game. Even really more so than the first that. game, it looks like it's, it's going for like the kind of Borderlands-level like insanity. Yes. It's going to be a weird apocalypse. Right. Like some Mad Max. I mean, the first game had a little bit of that, but at the same time, it was still kind of... A little bit, but it took itself a lot more seriously. Right. And this one's developed by by Avalanche, who did um, the Just Cause series. Yes. And they also did the Mad Max game that came out around when Fury Road came out, which was... Fucking love that game. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, that that was it. Was basically open world game, the game, but you were Mad but Max, it really and it, and well it was done. really well done. So I I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. We we got we got a lot of shit to look forward to this year. Um, in the coming months and as the year progresses, Atomic Heart. That's this year, right? Atomic Heart is this year. That's yeah. one we should talk about when we talk about Metro for sure, because that looks like it's going to be a first-person horror game with a lot of action elements to it. A lot of action elements. It's got RPG elements, it seems like, to it, too. Yep. Um, um, Ooh, there's the mobile game. The mobile uh, sequel to Alien Isolation. That's going to be... We should talk about Alien Isolation, because Alien Isolation is... I need to play that. I also need to play Soma, which I've not played yet. Yes, I, I have gotten halfway through both of those games, um, and I've stopped playing them for different reasons. Um, and one of them was because of the game and the other one was because of just time and like, you know, a horror game is hard to get back into after a certain amount of time. So I'm just going to have to start it over. Alien Isolation was the one that was because of the game, right? Yeah. Alien Isolation was all intents and purposes an absolutely excellent horror game that it had hardcore syndrome. Where it tried to be old school by having save points that are not frequent. Right, right. Um, and that's something that's something that I think works. It can work really well, but not when you're constantly being stalked by an enemy that will kill you in one hit. Right. The the I think there's a whole another conversation that we need to have about um, inconvenience being mistaken for horror. Yes. Because there's a lot of that. The thing is... The, case in point, Resident Evil 2, the remake, if you're not playing on hardcore mode, has autosaves. Like, you still have to use a tight and a hard saves. save, but yep. it has autosaves that are effectively act as checkpoints. Yep. And um, still scary. Still it's, scary, still hard. Right. It's just not fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, I've had many moments in that game so far where I've like been like, mm, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Oh, I guess I got to do that. Okay. Thanks, game. I guess I'll just put my tiny little flashlight and hope that there's nothing in here. Um, but, and I think we're going to have to talk in depth about it, about Alien. Um, but there comes a point where the first part, of the first half of that game is so fucking scary. Yeah. And, like, you, you don't know what you're dealing with, and you don't even actually deal with the Xenomorph until a good chunk of the way into the game. Right, because there's, like, hunter-killer robots after you, right? The fucking, the fucking robots are terrifying. Yeah. They just slowly walk towards you and you can just see their eyes glowing <laughs> in the darkness. And, I mean, yeah, they can't shoot you or anything. They just slowly walk towards you. And there's humans that you have to deal with. You know, you have to kill humans. And uh, eventually you're able to, like, make some noise to make the xenomorph see them. And then they'll, the xenomorph will kill the humans for you. And then you can take that distraction. And there's that kind of stuff. But then there's points where you have to get from point A to point B to point C, all 
without checkpoints, um, all while being stalked by the Xenomorph, who will kill you in one hit. And there's, um, there are parts where you'll see, like, it's, it's spit, mm-hmm. kind of, like, dripping from the ceiling, and you're like, okay, well, if I step, if I, if you step onto that, it kills you. And you have to, like, notice that kind of stuff. You know, there, there are cues where it's there. But sometimes, it's just roaming. And you have, like, the classic hiding in a locker kind right. of thing. And there are parts where it feels like there's nothing you can do to make it go away, and you're just stuck in a locker. And that's not fun. Right. And, it, it, it like, it seems like it, you can get stuck in there for, like, extended periods where it's like... Like, I can imagine the first couple of times that happens being scary. Being super scary. And, like, the tenth time it happens being really annoying. So, because I have, I, I'm not saying anything about Alien Isolation. I have not played You've seen me play yet. parts of that, though. Yes, and I have. You'll be sitting I've there. I've not played the game yet. I, like, it's on my list for sure, still. But I remember a specific moment. You were playing something with your headphones on, and I was playing Alien. And I was in a locker, and it was probably 15 minutes before you were like had looked back up on the screen and you were like, I was like are you in a, still in the locker? Are you in another locker? Yeah, like, no, 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 it's no, the this, same fucking locker. I, re- I remember that. It's the same fucking locker. It won't go away. <laughs> this piece of shit won't leave. I, I remember I, I was like, are you sure it's not bugged? Like, are you I, sure it's not it a bug be. where it's just it's it supposed to leave? I was so turned off by it, I never went back to it. There was, I felt like, bad about it because the game was so fucking creepy and like the... Like, even the little things, like, when you boot up the game, it has all of its, um, all of its logos and stuff with, like, a VHS filter over it, and, like, it, it, it looks like it's, like, the, the, um, like, the weird 80s looking, like, terminals oh, that yeah. are yeah, on yep. the ship, and it, it, like, you're sitting there like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking ready, and, like, the first half of the game is really like that and then it hits a point and i don't like it could be like a get good thing for me but it really felt like i think it's more a get patience thing and sometimes you're just i'm me for sure i'm in a place where i just cannot play a stealth game because i do not have the patience it's the idea i can have the patience if you let me keep progress the idea of alien is like uh, the part the part that I'm on in it is you have to get this place, activate this thing, then you have to get to this place and activate this thing, and then finally when you get to the the third thing, you need to, you keep going to these places and it's like okay fuck this thing that I need is on this part of the map, and there's no save points at all in it, and, and you're, you're being hunted being the whole hunted time. the whole time, right? So you get to the end, and then you it's it means nothing. What you did mean meant nothing. There's there's nothing you can do to get that back. You just have to do it again. And there's a chance that when you do it, the alien won't leave you alone. And you'll be stuck on the first part for 15 minutes in a fucking locker <laughs> because it's it's like AI pathing won't I, leave I, that area. I think that might be a bug because like when you play a game like Outlast where you can hide in lockers, yeah, one of two things will happen. Either you're safe and the guy will... Make a couple of passes and be like, no, no, no. Yeah, or give you, they'll give you a cue, like, or or he'll have seen you and he will open the locker and pull you out and kill you. Yeah. Like, those are the two things that'll happen. So I'm thinking 15 minutes stuck in a locker. I really hope it was a bug because that game was too good to like fucking shit the bed that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I would like to go back to. But again, mm-hmm. it's a horror game, so I'm probably going to have to just start yeah. it over. So there, there is an absolute shit ton of games we can talk about. If you, yeah, you know... Yeah, we, we planned on talking about a bunch of games that we really didn't. Right, because I think we so got a little far. more in-depth than we 
had originally intended. But, um, lovely listeners, if you have games that you uh, want to hear us talk about, write in. Send us an email, info at belowthevoid.com, or check out our website at belowthevoid.com. Um, we've got a forum. We'll get a, a topic set up for... Um, we already have one set up for um, show ideas. Uh, which uh, we'll, you can talk about games in there, but we'll we'll have a separate one. We'll, for, we'll for have a games. separate one um, just for you know games. games whether it's whether it's stuff that you too. want us to talk about, or whether you just want to get a conversation started with people in the community about games that you like. If you yeah. want to tell us a story of, of a time when um, you know a horror game has affected you, oh, or, yeah, we eat that shit up. Dude. Yeah, I I love. I mean, and I get like we play. We try to play most of the shit that comes out, but there are things that I've, you know, I'll go on Steam and I'll be like, what the fuck is that? That looks cool. What the hell? It came yeah. out three years ago. What the shit? Yeah. So there are games, you know, lots of games slip under the radar. So yeah, I mean, if there's something that we didn't talk about, whether or not we didn't get to it, didn't think to talk about it, or have never heard of it, like, yeah, please. Let, let, let us know. We'd, we'd like to get the community involved, get people talking because, you know, I think the gaming world is, in some ways, the most toxic it's ever been. Oh, God, yeah. But it's also... It's I mean, also, I, I think, if if we can just be sort of open and honest and um, sort of sort of make a community and talk about the things that we like and don't like in a respectful way, I think we can really start to, you know, yeah, like, turn this yeah. shit around. You know, I, I think, in my opinion, PUBG sucks ass. But guess what? You like PUBG? Good on you. It was made to. It was made to be enjoyed. The interesting thing about that, Blair, mm-hmm. is that um, this is scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. If someone likes something that you don't like, mm-hmm. it doesn't affect you at all. At all. Yeah. Like that's a weird thing that a, yeah. a lot of people don't seem to have have picked up on. Yeah. Like I, Just, I, I want nothing to do with like you know the. PUBGs or like even like the DayZ kind of like the survival multiplayer games right. where I have I have no desire to play those. Don't care about them at all. Don't care if, about them at all. If that's your jam, if that's, that's what your fucking, favorite thing. Yeah, if that's what brings you joy, fucking fucking good go on you. for it. Good I, on I don't you. think I'm not one of those people who is like someone says, Oh, I play video games and they're like, Oh yeah, what do you play? And they only play Call of Duty. They only play like FIFA or they only play PUBG or something like that. That does not make you less of a gamer. No. That just means you play a certain type of game. The the gatekeeping The is, gatekeeping in the gaming is, community is ridiculous. It's so insane. Like the fact that I'm like thirty one years old, I've been playing games literally since I was old enough to pick up a controller. Same with you. Mm-hmm. And the fact yeah. that there are some people out there who try to make an argument that we're not gamers because we don't like certain things yeah. is a level of absurdity that I can't even wrap it's my fucking brain ridiculous. around. It's like, why? What difference does it make if this person likes this kind of game? And, you know, like, why would it matter, first of all, right. what you think about them as a, as a, I as a I don't, gamer? I don't care like, if it's your, your grandpa and he plays Minesweeper on his old computer. He's a fucking gamer a at fucking that gamer. point. Yeah, okay? if all you play is mobile games, they're games. They're, right. they're games developed by developers who make games right they're they're meant to be played they're made to be played whether you like them or not right it's what it's what they are it's yep. what they are and the the a lot of the toxicity just comes from 
like, oh, you're you're not a real gamer. It's an elitist thing, and it, there's it no is. reason to be like that. No, it's... There's no reason to be... There's really no reason to be an elitist on anything. But games especially, because games are made to entertain you. They're and meant to be fun, and people that try to take the fun if, out of it are just awful. If a game entertains you, it, even if you're the only person in the world the game entertained, fucking good on you. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, if you can find enjoyment in even the shittiest game, fucking good on you. Do it. Fucking, fucking live your best life, goddammit. I could not agree more. So yeah, let's you know let's let's get positive conversations keep it, keep it started. Civil. Let's keep it uh, keep it positive. Even if you have negative things to say, have a positive attitude about it. Exactly. Like, There's. Like, you know, I say I say PUBG sucks ass, but really what I'm saying is I don't like PUBG. Right. It's not for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, ba- battle royale is not my it's thing. Not, I, it's not I, my thing. I've, I, I've tried. I cannot have fun with it. Yeah, and that's I, the I've thing. moved on. I know. I don't that it's begrudge not my thing. anybody who no. likes it. That's the thing. I no. don't. Not at all. There's a reason it's popular. People like it, and if people like it, hell yeah. It kind of comes back to the the principal Skinner meme that oh no it's the children who are wrong it's the children yeah 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 but yeah, anyways um, they're yeah, not we're, gamers I am we're we're excited to you know to get this community started we'd love to be able to talk with you guys and see what you like what what you know the stuff that you want to talk about what resonates with you what do you want us to talk about yeah and if you don't like uh, let's say you've played Amnesia and you hate it if you think it's Stinko Deluxe let us know why yeah. I would like to know why, like, whether it's a uh, too spooky, not spooky enough, boring, um, whatever. Like, fucking, we'll start a conversation. Just you know, don't be an ass. Yeah, that's. The, the, I think be we, nice. we we just need to to learn how to properly express opinions without going to the extreme. And I think I think as adults, we're all capable of doing. That, just remember so. that if somebody doesn't like what you like, doesn't mean they don't like you. <laughs> Just means they have a different they have a different opinion. Everyone's entitled to it. Everyone is entitled so, to the opinion. So yeah, um, that that that'll be cool. We'll look forward to hopefully. <laughs> so that wraps up this this very long um, special episode. Hopefully you guys like this. Another thing I want to say is your, your feedback. We're not just asking for positive feedback. If you listen to this and you got to the end and you were like, "This was the dumbest this shit I've a ever waste <laughs> of my goddamn time." Don't Why ever do, do this. Don't ever do this again. Let yeah, us know. Let us know. I'm not saying we won't do it again, but yeah, it would but... it would be good to have the data. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, good or bad feedback is key. If you if you guys got to the end of this, uh, I got nothing but love for you. Um, nothing but love for you. Nothing but love for you. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again later. All right. Bye bye.